Hello and welcome again to Exploring the Art Market podcast. My name is Maria Betsova-Wienens. In this episode, let's talk about heritage, artists' heritage. In other words, let's talk about how to approach the question of how do you want to be remembered. We're all mortal. That might be a somewhat gloomy way to start with, yet it is what it is. A day will come when the world will move on without us. What will be left aside from the fading memory? How do we want to be remembered? This is a question relevant for anyone, but probably and especially for those whose life is all about creation. Artists, painters, sculptors, performers and all other creative human beings. Whether creativity is a professional endeavor or just a hobby, it usually results in a number, sometimes large, of creative output. What is going to happen with, with all this creative output upon the deaths of a creative? Are those hundreds of paintings to be kept in storage, thrown away, donated, burnt, sold? What about the brushes, easels, hammers or bags of concrete? In this episode, I would like to address the matter of artists' heritage as well as pull together some important questions for the artists to reflect upon and for their advisors to take into account in their discussions with their clients. First of all, it is essential to stress that an artwork is a specific type of asset. It is not only the physical possession which might raise certain issues, but also such matters as valuation, maintenance, insurance, intellectual property rights, etc., Above all, an artwork is a specific asset because in the majority of cases it is a very personal creation, a part of artist's persona in a sense. It bears in itself an artist's emotional experience, a personal story and an expression of artist's personality. Artworks outlive an artist, but also in a way they make him or her immortal. The bottom line is that artworks cannot be treated the same way as the furniture in the living room of a deceased artist, or his or her clothes or cutlery. The question I asked in the very beginning, how do you want to be remembered, thus becomes the primary starting point of a discussion. Further, I would like to talk about six important aspects to consider. First, artistic vision. In one of the previous episodes, The Right to Destroy, I gave examples of some artists who are, who are or were destroying their artworks during their lifetime to be in charge of how the world will remember him or her, or instructed others to do so, on many counts unsuccessfully. Those are examples of the artists who ask themselves a question of how do they want to be remembered and what do they see as their artistic legacy. As said already, this is a starting point for the conversation about the artist's heritage. If the intentions are not clear, it might become very difficult for the hairs of an artist. Even a basic sell versus keep dilemma is difficult. A decision to sell can result in tax implications, while a decision to keep might additionally inflict quite some expenses. In the case of multiple hairs, that might become a matter of conflict. Whereas in case an artist was a part of an artistic group or co-created certain artworks, a potential conflict might transcend the family circle. If an artist has a vision of donating his or her artworks, then the accepting institution likewise needs to be contacted in advance. They might not be willing to accept a donation, or there might be other issues to consider. Second point, inventory. When the artistic vision is defined, it's time to get to the details. What is the body of work in question? Is there any type of inventory of artworks? 
It can be an analog record, in other words, a handwritten notebook, or a spreadsheet on a computer, or perhaps there is even a database. Whatever record there is, it would be important to at least have a list of all artworks created and their destiny. Some of the artworks created would probably be sold, gifted, perhaps loaned during the lifetime of an artist. Some of them might be part of an exhibition at the moment of artist's death. Likewise, certain artworks might be a part of the personal or family collection, pieces created especially to remain on the wall in the lounge of an artist's home, while some others were never planned for personal admiration. Thus, a meticulous inventory is a crucial next step. An important add-on, as we live in a digital era, a big part of the correspondence and agreements on and around artworks might exist only in a digital format, sometimes in the form of a message or even an SMS. To this end, a good practice to establish for an artist, still during his or her lifetime, is to find a way to archive digital communication, at least to include the most significant items related to the destiny of artworks. Finally, an inventory of artworks might include not only the artworks by the artist, him or herself, but also works by someone else, which are in a personal collection of the artist. In other words, there might be three general categories of artworks left. Artworks created by the artist as part of his or her creative endeavor. Two, artworks created by the artist meant to remain in the artist's family. And three, artworks by other artists in a personal collection of the artist. An additional subcategory might be also works co-created by the artist. Third point, making sense of the inventory. When the list of artworks, their creation dates, brief description, perhaps a photo or a record of destiny is made, it is time to make sense of all of it. Are the records complete? Is there a way to fill in the gaps, if any? Are there any inconsistencies, questions? Is everything clear? Are there diverse categories of artworks that require different treatments? Are the locations of all artworks, at least those not previously sold or gifted, known? What is the current condition of artworks? Is there a short-term need for restoration, if any? How are the conservation questions foreseen? The more profoundly the inventory is analyzed, the better. Fourth point. Artist studio. Most of the times, even if an artist creates from the personal premises, she or he has a studio space. It can be just a room in a house or a completely separate location, but it's a space where the creation takes place. Besides, it's also a place where the tools are. The tools an artist uses are also a part of their artistic heritage. It could very well be that an artist sees no value in, for instance, his or her brushes or easels, but on the other hand, they might have historic value, or at least interest, for the future generations. A studio can significantly add to understanding the creative process of an artist. Perhaps a studio will be turned into a museum one day. Either or, when addressing the artist's heritage, it would be a good idea to look as broad as possible. Fifth point. Contractual relationships of an artist. It is very handy for the heirs to know about all the contractual relationships of an artist, because some of them will not end with the death of the artist. Who are the people and institutions the artist was involved with? What are the arrangements concerning an artist's studio? Are there any arrangements for the ongoing or upcoming exhibitions? What about co-authorship? Was, was it ever the case for the artist? 
Has the artist collaborated on a joint artwork? How are intellectual property rights arranged, if any? Are there any licensing agreements? Are there agreements about prints, multiples, perhaps merchandise with the artist's involvement? If an artist has ever incorporated or otherwise used other artists' artwork in creating his or her own, are there agreements or arrangements allowing such a use? Are there any consignments? You see, contracts come in many forms. If they are written and signed by both parties and kept in order in the personal archive, that's an ideal situation. The reality, unfortunately, does not always follow this ideal. In the modern world, more than often agreements and arrangements happen through digital means, which does not render them invalid, but it makes it complicated to keep track of. Finally, financial matters. As mentioned already, artworks are not just simple, regular assets. They have costs attached. Insurance, tax matters, conservation, storage, potential restoration, all these are related costs. Even if the artists insist on the post-mortem destruction of the artworks, that might still mean additional expenses. Besides, determining the value of artworks is still a separate question. I wrote an article about determining the value of artwork before. I'll include the link to, in the notes to this episode. In essence, although there are procedures and defined steps for valuation, this matter still remains not so straightforward. An important add-on is the personal value of artworks to the artist. It's up to him or her to define which artworks best represent who he or she is and how he or she wants to be remembered. Which are the best examples of his or her signatory style? The big question related to financial matters is whether the artist envisions a foundation to be established. This is a separate question, as foundations come in different forms, might have completely different goals and consequently will have completely different tax implications. As the final note, the artist's studio might and probably will also have unfinished artworks. What is the artist's vision in respect, of, in respect of those works? Would it be okay to allow someone else to complete the work? Or perhaps the artist would prefer unfinished works to be destructed? Or even maybe they should remain unfinished as a monument to the fragility of life? That's it for me from, for today. Thank you very much for listening. Questions I mentioned and themes I have sketched in this episode are obviously not meant as an extensive list of issues on defining and organizing the artist's legacy. However, I do hope that I persuaded at least some of you to pay attention to these matters and reflect upon them, preferably in writing, before it becomes too late. After all, a creative drive is fueled by the wish to leave something greater behind. It would be reckless and unfair to those creations if their fate is just left to chance. Thanks again for listening. As always, I'm happy to hear your thoughts in the comment section below or directly to my email. My name is Maria Baitsova-Wienens. Till next time on Exploring the Art Mind.